Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. One, two, one, two. One, two. Suck an ass. Lovely. <laughs> Straight back in with the ill behavior. I like it's it. It's showtime, folks! This is where the big boys play, huh? Woo! And look at Goldberg! He's ready! Oh, yeah! It's going to be the biggest battleground in the history of our sport. Bloody Alex Cages! Cultaholic classic Nitro Review as the other Cultaholic lads crack on whatever they're doing. This is where we go back to 1996. Uh, my name is Tom Campbell and with me to talk about Nitro from the mid-90s is our resident WCW kid, Sam Driver. Right. Hello, friend. Yeah, First time in a thousand years we've sat here. I know, I had to refresh myself before <laughs> I went back and it was like, of course I don't need to refresh myself. It was the debut of Loch Ness, so at least we left it at a memorable point. Uh, but fuck me. Yeah, it's been a while, mate. We've got to really while. get better at this. We've got to get better at, at, at more regular. I, well, more I, regular. I had a good excuse. I was, I was on me Ollie Bob. I oh, yeah, just, just swanning off. Just swanning look off. at you with your tan. I look all tanned, don't I? Isn't that nice? I'm just like Isn't that milk nice? in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is the same, annoyingly. Um, yeah, you you my... look like an American. I don't like it. <laughs> I wore this. I wore Island Tom You're like shirt. a healthy glow and stuff. It's not right. Get some pastry in you. I'm, I'm going to get a Greg's And a warm can of Carlin. And you should be all right. It's when you know you're barking, Johnny Lundley. <laughs> oh, we had the best time. My God. You got to do all sorts. Just ridiculous, stereotypical holiday on a place literally called Paradise Island. Yeah. <laughs> literally called Paradise. Because nice. Ross, said, Ross uh, thought I was taking the piss. <laughs> I kept calling it Paradise Island. No, it's, that's what the it's place... actually called, Paradise yeah. Island Resort and Spa. Mate, yeah. you get off the boat. So you get off the plane at Marley Airport. Yeah. There's somebody waiting for you to take you onto a speedboat. Oh, shit. I was going to say, did they take you via speedboat or pontoon plane? Uh, sadly, not a pontoon oh. plane. So I had to, had, to, had, to, had to slum it with a speedboat. Yeah. To 20 minutes to get to this a island commoner. in the middle, the middle of the Indian Ocean. <laughs> Just and and, and it just you're just on the island. You're like re- removed insane, from the world. Man. That's like my dream. It's brilliant. Man. I'm gonna need to do it because we're, we're going uh, LA November, so we're gonna be in Hollywood. Oh, like, so that's be good. Uh, as long as I don't get shot, I should be grand. <laughs> 
Like, there's a lot of really cool stuff I want to see and do. And most of it's free, which is a trippy thing. Like, there's uh, so much stuff where it's like, I want to go to that museum. And I want to go, like, walk this trail. And I want to go, like, along this beach. And there's so much of it where it's just, like, crazy. But we've, like, we booked this really nice restaurant. So that's, like, the one is it what, What's the significance of the restaurant that you booked? Uh, it, is there any? It's, no, not really. It, it's sort of, uh, it's like a birthday gift to Steph. But ah. it's, uh, it's like a giant... Uh, mountain palace in the Hollywood Hills wow. uh, in like traditional Japanese style. So we're going to do like, that's going to be like one of the big anchor things. We're going to go see Friendship, which is going to be like, that's their whole reason we're going. So there's a couple of other things going on. Although we looked at Post Malone tickets. It's like $160 for nosebleeds. Oh, It's just like, nah, nah, that's screw that. So, and that works out at the current uh, exchange rate at, oh, £160. I, pounds. I, if, Fuck if, off, if, Britain. If the fucking, if the government could just get their shit together... Just get their fucking shit together, because I've got to buy dollars soon, you fucking I'll cunts. You, I'll tell you how quickly that pound fucking dropped, right? Yeah, when off we, a fucking cliff. When one, we, when one, we left... 1.15 to 1.07. When we left the UK, I was like, okay, the Maldives, they run dollars. That's fine. We'll get a bit more bang for our buck. Yeah. Literally the day that we were checking out, the pound Ooh. fucking sank. So like, it basically adds like an extra couple of hundred quid like, onto our bill. Because that was the whole thing. It's like, for every grand I spend, I'll get about a hundred quid back. And now it's like, you'll get about 62 pounds back. And then it'll be like, for every pound you spend, you get about 90 cents. Aren't we leveling up? Aren't we building back better under big Lizzie Truss? Like, Jesus Christ. Well, the, the one thing, the, the cloud and the silver lining in all of that was, so we ended up spending like so much extra on this yeah. chase card that we bought to put our holiday money on. <laughs> and then a little bit on credit cards, just because we, we went overboard. Yeah. Um, but because we spent so much on this chase card, we got cash back. So when we got back last night, we had free Yo Sushi. No. So yay! Nice. Silver linings! Nice. Um, I, the most expensive part of the whole thing was probably the the night I asked Alex to marry me. Yes, that was Spoiler. a thing that happened there. Um, Wondering how long it was going to die. I didn't want to just jump nah, straight in. with all right. It's all right. <laughs> nah, so uh, I had this plan for months. I told you about it a long while ago. Yeah, this was going to be a thing. I thought I was going to get the big question. Podcast <laughs> partners, all that. Kept it on the old QT for many, many months and uh, surprised Alex with the ring uh, on a private dining, on a, a little bit of private dining area yeah. on the beach, we booked this. I booked this thing. So, this, this place is just unreal. So, it's, there's a private dining thing you can book for couples where right. they literally put table chairs, like a curtain behind I mean, you, just bring everything, play to soft you. music, yeah. and bring it to you. Like I'm with the our liaison there, we timed it so we were there as the sun was going down. We were mm. on the sunset side. Uh, and did it all. She did a big cry. It was hilarious. And um, <laughs> put the ring on. Now, I thought I'd been a clever dick, Sam. thought I'd been a clever dick because I grabbed a ring from Alex's bedside table. Oh, you can never be sure, mate. I know. Well, you can never be sure. Could I do with your suit? Got it size. Got the ring. She said, it's beautiful. There's a lot of leg room in it. And she said, did you pick up a thumb ring? <laughs> Didn't know you had a thumb uh, ring. She said, yeah, I've got about five in there. Oh, I think I picked up a thumb ring. <laughs> just pop so, it on your thumb for now. Just pop it on your thumb for now. Uh, so she didn't wear it most of the holiday. Yeah, not just because she case, was ashamed, obviously. but she knew it. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's nothing worse. Oh, uh, like, so by yeah. the time you hear this, we will be getting it resized. Nice. So it's uh, we'll get it a decent size so she can wear it in case and show it off. And show it off. It's a nice. What was it? In case, in case anybody else tries to stake their yeah. claim on my fair lady. Fucking, fucking too late now. <laughs> and, uh, and and we 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 talked about it as well and. Uh, 
she's she's cool with being Mrs. Campbell. Nice. So that's nice. Alexandra Helena Campbell. Nice. That's coming soon. You know, not it's not every wrestling, not not every time that in wrestling you have name changes that suck. <laughs> that's a nice change, nice gimmick change as well. She's now fiance. Uh, but I've decided, and we decided that I will still refer to her here as my good lady. So yeah, they, I feel like that's that's kind of her name that I use a lot on here. So it's a gimmick name, brother. It's a brother. gimmick name, brother. Yeah. Brother. So you even though shoot names in there, I know, right? Yeah. So even though she's she's my fiance, she's the future Mrs. Campbell, um, the current future ex Mrs. Campbell. Uh, then she, um, she, you said it. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Me and her dad laugh about it. Um, she will be my good lady on here for the time being. But uh, that was probably the that was oh that was it. So we met some friends at the end. Of the holiday. We met some random couples throughout, but then at the end, our last day, we spent like six hours sort of holding court with people we'd met yeah. in the bar. And somebody said, oh, what was your favourite part of the holiday? And she went, oh, we did parasailing. That was brilliant. We had some <laughs> turtles. I swam with turtles at and one point. And you're just like... I was like, anything else happened, love? Oh, God, yes, we've got to get... No, it's fine. Parasailing. Scuba diving with turtles. I mean, this is fair. Yeah. Dolphins <laughs> engaged. They're, they, I mean, they are good memories to be I fair. imagine it's a lot easier on Paradise Island to make fairly decent hotel friends as well. Because I, oh, I can yeah. I usually, it's the, like the worst part when you're like trying to sit and then some drunk bloke comes over by the pool and he's like, hello, where are you from? And he's like, leave me alone, please. I just want to get drunk. <laughs> yeah, it was, we, we, met, um, we met a lovely couple from Israel. Yeah. Uh, we met uh, a lovely couple from Russia. Mm. And we met uh, we met an English family. One English I tell a lie, we met, we met an English couple as well. Uh, at the end of our first week, uh, as I'm walking to the bar to get another stupidly expensive drink out of a coconut, which is what I did for yeah. two weeks. Why not? Uh Genuinely, 100%, as true as I sit here, uh, guy comes up and goes, Can I just say, I really love what you do on Cold Holly? <laughs> I was like, What? On Paradise Island? In the middle of nowhere. So, hi you to can't Ashley, escape it. who, who <laughs> watches Cold Holly. So, hello, friend. Nice hello, to hello. see you. I hope you had a wonderful time. And then we, and then we saw uh, an, older couple, an older couple and their daughter. Mm. And because after seeing Ashley and his, and his, and his wife, we didn't hear any English voices for ages. And then we'd yeah. by the pool one day and we'd see this bloke go, it's nice hearing it, love. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> friends. <laughs> but it was ace. It was ace. That was kind of the, <laughs> the Cliff Notes version of our wonderful holiday. Good. I'm glad you had a good time, mate. Yeah, thank you. Have I missed any action? Uh, Anything exciting happened? I was off for a bit after Cardiff myself, so I just kind of came back oh, in yeah, a bit of, of a whirlwind last this week. This is the last time I yeah. saw you Cardiff. was getting off the, getting train, off the train on the way back from Cardiff. Yeah. It's the last time I saw you. Back when you couldn't speak. That was when I lost my voice. Aren't you yeah. glad this is all back to normal now? I don't, it's still sounding a bit broken there, Tom. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Maybe you should conserve some of that. <laughs> no. It's full fettle now. You're delighted to. Yeah, that was it. And you had a week. Do you have a week off after that? Yeah, I'd like a week off. Yeah, you yeah. would just do some time. You had a nice little break. You ruined Yeah, from. and then I've just put in the rest of my holiday time for the year. So 10 days in LA in November. Exciting. And then just a bit off around Christmas. But I've had to leave just a couple of days in case. Just float in. Yeah. Just in case. Because you never know when something just happens. So, I need the day off or I need the morning off or something's gone horribly wrong. 
See, what I've done is just use all of my days, and that's the end now. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I will work until I drop now because I've got a holiday to pay off. So that's what we're going to do. But by, right now, though, it is all about talking about Nigel of 1996. Yeah. Enough of the bollocks of 2022. Yeah, there's Not nothing good here. Bugger there's, getting uh, married. Well, in fairness, we're back further than the 90s now. We're back to the Cold War. So <laughs> oh, it just it feels like we are, doesn't it? It's like... That's, we just, I don't know what it is. We missed all of the morning in the UK. We, when the Queen passed on yeah. the Thursday, um, it was like we were flying on the, I think the Sunday. So like, obviously Alex both and I, both outside of here working mm. radio. And that's normally where like, it's all like, knows the grindstone, we've got to sort all this out now, we've got to run that's, this. It's, it's potentially the biggest, just to kind of give it the gravity, it's like the mm. biggest thing for any newsreader that, isn't it? It's like the yeah. holy grail story. Mm. If you are like lucky enough to present that, it's like an honor to do so. Mm. Right? And then obviously all the, in, in terms of radio world, you will have heard it and you will have seen it on TV. All the stuff you have planned, it goes out the window. Yeah. Two weeks of... Uh, uh, your entire Sky feed just being the exact same sentence over every channel. That was so weird. Even, even <laughs> Babe Station was showing it. Well, they got a, you know... Well, Channel 5 showed the Emoji movie. We thought we could have had a, you know, some... A bit of, some lovely ladies. Channel Five some lovely ladies to the beat of their own drum, they? <laughs> they do, don't they? God love them. Just everybody in union jack attire on Babe Station, <laughs> sorrowfully watching the, <laughs> the fucking funeral. It's what the Queen would have wanted. Um, but, um, but yeah, so all that happened, and then both Alex and I, who are normally like, we're happy just to do the work, we both went. Well, bye. <laughs> have fun oh. with that. We've got oh. holiday books. Oh. <laughs> It must have been satisfying though, because like you could Ooh, tell, yes. you could tell, because I remember on Twitter there was just loads of like, oh well, there, there was a bit of a blunder there, like loads of people kind of like because of all the hilarious sort of faults with broadcasting oh, and stuff. Oh yeah, and it's like you just watch these news presenters over the course of the start of the memes, very early on when the news first broke, to like a day and a half later where they're clearly operating on like two hours sleep and they're still <laughs> yeah. stood outside the castle after like eleven hours that day, just going. Then yes, tonight yeah. they're they're gonna be doing this whole thing, looking like they're being like, propped up. <laughs> Just God bless, God bless the news people who were like seven days in, going, yeah. "Yep, she liked crisps." Um, <laughs> she was a big supporter of Golden Wonder. She said walkers were evil, and <laughs> trying to bring it into law seventeen times. That's not something anybody else really knows, but. <laughs> In the crisp industry, it, it, it's it's a very big, very big mo she a, movement. She was a big, she was a big fan of having of watching the Christmas Bee every year, uh, a Sound Driver movie classic. Yes, yeah, <laughs> the Christmas big, Bee. Big fan of the Christmas Bee in Slim Jim. Oh, happy ending. <laughs> we get actually, you know what? We have a reference to the Queen in this week's classic Nitro review that is in canon with what we're talking about. We have a reference to the Queen. We have a reference canon. to the Queen in canon with what we're talking about this week. All right. Though I'll pop that in your in your mind palace to, right. to, 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 to put the wallpaper up. If it's what I think it is, I'm just going to cackle in your face. Oh, I'm excited. Get ready. Get, ready, get your cackling face on, young man. We're off right. on an adventure okay. in 1996. <laughs> February the 12th, 1996. In the boring real world, this week, UK box office number one. Sorry, US box office number one is Broken Arrow. Yeah. Uh, John Travolta and Christian Slater have yeah. themselves a lovely little film about uh, American nuclear weapon missiles and war and stuff. Which is quite timely. Very timely, once again. Was Sorry, it? just keep going. My phone is going mental. I don't oh, know what's happening right are we, now. Uh, is the Cold War started? No, I just got about five emails at once, apparently. Number one in the UK box <laughs> office uh, is Jumanji. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Favorite, I'm my, behind of, that. What did you make of, this, of the, the sequel? It doesn't exist. Oh, okay. 
about the threequel? Well, I've not even seen them, to be honest, but oh. I, I just kind of... I did have time to see them, and I'll probably get around to watching at least one of them, but it's just one of those films that says, just leave it alone. Yeah. It's just like, I'm fine with it how it Park is. Park it. You know, I, it doesn't bother me that they've made more. I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner, mm. but first one's just like a classic. Yeah. I just enjoy it. Don't mess, even with a rock in it. Who's... No, but this is it. I'm, I'm sure they're perfectly fine movies. It's just, I, for whatever reason, it didn't really jump out at me. But if, I'll, if it's on telly, I'd probably put it on and have an all right time. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Mariah Carey's One Sweet Day, still having an all right time. Number Mariah, if you could just fuck off, please. <laughs> it's going to be fascinating when we get to like new metal times. Oh. oh. Just not... Jesus. Oh, we've got Britney and everything to go. Yeah, this is. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> What else have we got to worry about? There is a Celine Dion-shaped Godzilla on Mariah Carey's oh, horizon, though. fuck, there is. How did, hey, that's all right. It is. Like Celine it, Dion. It, it is, because it's going to knock her off, but can you not remember the harrowing experience that was summer 1998? <laughs> Titanic. When that's all anybody could talk about. I remember as a kid just being like, what? it's literally all anybody could talk about. I couldn't yeah. get my head around it. A boat that sank decades before. Yeah. <laughs> and some song. Like <laughs> and Celine Dion basically and paying every paying every bill she'd ever need to and pay time, on that one song. Every time James Cameron just fancies like a cheeky new expedition, he just drops it in an IMAX for three weeks. <laughs> you know, its world ranking goes up even higher, just BTFO in Marvel further. Like <laughs> Avatar's done that recently, hasn't it? Oh, and there's more Avatars <laughs> soon, isn't there? Yeah, so we're getting a re-re-re-re-release of Avatar 1 that's had special edition slapped on it. So Enhanced I'm assuming, sex scenes. I'm, in, I'm assuming they've gone back and done a bit of a Lucas and maybe cleaned some bits up or put some deleted scenes in or some shit. Because mm. they, after it first came out, I remember we had like six months of peace and then he re-released it for the first time at the cinema. <laughs> six months but of peace. with like a half hour additional footage, so it, just, it was longer which a film that long didn't really need. But, it, <laughs> you know, so it, it just keeps coming out, but it just keeps tacking onto that record. And you're going to have to get Avatar 1 back out before Avatar 2 because Avatar 1 came out in 2009. Which is a long time ago. That's what, 12, 13 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. But Titanic came out even before that. Yeah. yeah. And he can just keep re-releasing either of them whatever he wants. When are we getting the Zack Snyder cut of Titanic? Hopefully never. <laughs> I, they, they should take... <laughs> unless unless they get somebody else to write it and keep him on a strict leash, uh, I think he is a phenomenal director. I, I think that he is capable of getting some really good performances out of people. But I feel that... Oh, no, sorry, not just that. He's, he's a phenomenal like director in terms of visuals as well. Really beautiful films he makes, kind of like Baz Luhrmann. Uh, you know, with that kind of visual stamp, you can tell a Snyder film a mile off. Beautiful. The scripts, though tend to just be garbled mush. Have you ever seen Sucker Punch? <laughs> no. I, that came out, uh, and I think I remember seeing it twice and both times just being like, first time I didn't really get it. Second time, ah, oh, okay. It's just a bit crap, but it, it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's most films. They're yeah, crap, but it looks nice. It I'd looks like to pretty. see what he'd do with a nice green filter over it, though. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a slightly bit more threatening. Like, <laughs> make Titanic more threatening. <laughs> There's the iceberg has got Superman standing on top of it. We cut to the iceberg quite often as it approaches. And like Batman actually, <laughs> Batman actually steers the iceberg into the ship. <gasps> so Batman did it on purpose. And Batman is played by Ben Affleck, while Superman is also played by Ben Affleck. <laughs> but with a mustache CGI'd on. Yeah, and it's not even like the Superman <laughs> suit. It's just a big Superman sticker on the bat suit just to save a bit of money. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> they like hue shift it so it's blue, but everything else in the scene is the incorrect color. Ah, <laughs> oh, DC, good luck with Black Adam. I really want you to smash that one because you've struggled with a few. Uh, UK, the music charts, number one is Babylon Zoo, Spaceman from off of the Levi's advert. Jeans equal musical success. Jeans hey, were basically like TikTok. Have you not noticed 90s advertising is starting to seep back in though? Yeah. Like you're seeing a lot of retreads of the old classic ads and stuff. So... I, I'm a big fan of 90s advertisement, probably because I'm a 90s kid. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just I don't know, the the random bollocks that they do to advertise <laughs> stuff that <laughs> had nothing to do with it will always just be my favorite. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you just type, hey, kids, toys, buy them, buy them, buy them. Buy toys, you pricks. <laughs> Tell your mothers now. This one's now. slightly different. It's a, you've got last year's model, but this one's green. <laughs> we have to, but you have to. <laughs> Basically, have those two evils now, yeah. which is kids buy toys, you bastards. If you go back through them, and uh, then weird shit to catch your eye. But if you go back through, uh, me and Steph felt were looking at like old toys the other night, and it was like uh, I pulled up like the old Action Man list, and if you look, there's like so many of them that don't change between, but got a slightly different name or a slightly different accessory, um. and it's like the same one for like a five year run, but your parents will get sold it over. And over again. <laughs> they just slightly changed the name. And yeah, they just... like, oh, he's got red karate shorts this time. And he does a spin kick <laughs> instead of a spin punch. But dad, red karate <laughs> shorts. When the first one, if you just do the spin punch, but turn him sideways and hold him by the head. And you press the button. Also does a spin kick. <laughs> so it... <laughs> but it's different. Danny's the greatest hero of them all. Yeah. There was loads of music news on the day after Nitro that aired on February 12th, 1996. Three three quite interesting pieces of news from the music world. Uh, Tupac Shakur released his fourth studio album, All Eyes on Me, Mm -hmm. banger of an album. The Fugees released The Score, which would become a Billboard number one top R&B hip-hop album. And on the same day that those things happened, Take That officially announced they were disbanding. They called Girls Everywhere just screamed out and it was like you know when in, in what's is what's the line from Star Wars where it's like a million voices cried out <laughs> it's like that uh, that's another thing if you go back and just look at like Boyzone breaking up or mm. any of that take that any of that stuff you just see like it's like when you see well, it's sort of not quite as severe, obviously, but like when you see just people in the street crying about the Queen, except it's all just teenagers in a massive mob who have somehow been herded into one big car park for mm. all the news to film them, looking sad. Yeah. It's just, oh my God. The, the world like ended, didn't it? They did. I remember the press conference they held. Yeah. They held a press conference and I remember Gary Barlow, like his voice cracking and breaking as he announced that the band was splitting up. <laughs> Like Devon, the UK government set up counselling phone lines for girls that were upset about the breakup of Take That. That's and that's not that's that's not even like a pithy line. That's true. Yeah, I remember them doing it's, it. I mean, it's weird because I don't think we've ever seen uh, a, another wave of sort of pop acts quite like that. BTS. I think the 90s, no, well, yes, but not really like on a national scale. Right in where, the UK, like, we would yeah in the UK because we obviously had the run of like Take That Boy's Own Westlife, mm. and there's been there have been obviously many 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 more like groups like that like pop mm. groups since, but I don't think any have really, other than say Girls Aloud like huge deal, 
But I don't think any really had that kind of rabid, intense, diehard fan base. The that, Beatlemania Because like, it's sort of like Backstreet base. Boys fandom in the US, I guess. But mm. I don't even know if that was as severe as sort of British boy band disease. Like, <laughs> you, BBD, as it was got, known once by you get, Once doctors. you get bitten by that, like, you just turn rabid. Like, if you go back and watch the newsreels, it's just wild. Yeah. And so the, hence why they said the <laughs> phone lines. Uh, so that was, the, that was the boring real world. The wrestling world is all we care about here in 1996 on February the 12th. Uh, Eric Bischoff, head of tapings at WCW, Saturday night at Universal Studios, has had a meeting with all the wrestlers and all the lads. And what did he have to say, Timothy? Well, he had a right pop at Vince McMahon saying that for the first time they were Ooh, kicking the WWF's ass in the ratings. And the company's making a tiny profit for the first time ever. WCW under Turner never turned a profit until this particular year. It's here they start to make a tiny bit of profit. They've always been, you know, and uh, and they will for a little bit, and then they won't for a long time. Uh, it still leaves some questions. YouTube's never turned a profit for Google, but that didn't go out of business in 2001. That it, there, there is that. Has, they never, has YouTube still never turned a profit? I don't know. I, I remember reading that in an article being like, whoa, that's a strange fact. Yeah, because you'd assume that YouTube would be making lots of the money. Yeah. You'd have thought so someone was making some money somewhere. Has anyone, I guess it costs a lot to sustain that much. Money? To sustain that much, like data, like the amount of video that gets uploaded every second's got to be insane. They're constantly building bloody data, and then it's just getting bigger and bigger they? and bigger. So it's just it's all got to be stored somewhere. So that cost's got to be astronomical. I have to move it to a planet soon. That's exciting. Yeah, but it won't be because we'll destroy another planet. Yeah, we'll find what we're not bothered about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mar- just, like Jupiter's got like five moons. Well, if we can just dig into the moon and see if it is hollow, we could put it all inside of that. Because yeah, there's still the mystery fine. of like the moon rang like a bell when like one of the f- fucking rockets took off and oh. fired something down. It like vibrated for ages. And it's like, shouldn't do that unless it's hollow. <laughs> and everybody kind of went, nah. yeah, and just moved on. So moving. if it is hollow, we can stick it all inside there. And if we leave the door open... Door, if we just drill a hole in, <laughs> leave the fucking door open. Gonna... <laughs> if we leave the door open, we can just let all the cold air from space in because space like... is like absolute zero, it, right? It's like, fine. Yeah. I like the fact you're going, mm, there might be some people, there might be something on the moon because the bell rang. But anyway, we'll leave the door open. <laughs> Maybe the door would suggest there's something there. It's honestly, if we get through this current horrible global geopolitical crisis that's mounting, I think that we'll have like a, a moment of kind of happiness and peace and joy and everybody will rejoice a little bit and then the moon will crack open and, and it'll be like, oh, okay, next level. Here we go. Yeah, We've yeah. got a pandemic, war, and now we're going to aliens, right? This is it. I mean, aliens is certainly the next level after global economic crisis. Yeah. Aliens next. I kind of want, I wish, I, I want us to have a space elevator just because it's cool. That's why so I want, we can go I, in my lifetime. I want to just be able to watch a space elevator carry something impossibly heavy to space, mm-hmm. and then you could just climb on the platform with it and stow away, and then run out of oxygen. We have to do it soon, while Steve Tyler can sing "Love in an Elevator" on its maiden voice. Oh, the entire way. Yeah. I, I don't know how long that would take, but he's not allowed to stop. He has to sing it. I would way. pay pay per view level money <laughs> if I can watch that. <laughs> just shuffling around in a spacesuit, just getting more and more bored. He's got a Britney mic on, but you're still making him hold a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to wave around his, his his handkerchiefs and stuff, but zero G is not doing him any favors. <laughs> zero gravity. <laughs> he lets go of it and he just continues away. And like, <laughs> starts clicking. <laughs> now, whilst we aren't moving to the moon anytime soon, <laughs> Bischoff is talking about moving WCWHQ from Atlanta to Orlando. 
in the next six to eight months. Tax reasons or uh, weather reasons, but probably tax reasons. Um, that well, a lot of the stars do live and have historically lived in Florida, right? I mean, yeah. even that in the PC today, a lot of people are in Florida. It's always sunny, I guess. It's not Nearly, at the moment. like Hurricane it's, Ian. It's obviously, the they, they have the. I mean, not always always sunny, but they have uh, predominant periods of sun intermittently broken up by tropical weather and storms. Yes, but largely. Yeah, I can see Florida being a base. It's still kind of wrestling hub, isn't it? Because mm, the hope is that Sullivan, they all... he's got history there. He loves a bit of... Yeah. He, I can they were terrified of him back then. <laughs> That's what he was lying on the beach. <laughs> um, obviously, at the moment, they want to be held, holding Saturday night tapings uh, at Disney or mm. Universal instead of where they are oh, at Center Stage. There you, there there you that go, too. too. Yeah. So you could have like your home, your center base be like there in in Florida, yeah. where you got the performance center, of, you got the power plant, as it will be known. You've got a massive broadcast and recording broadcast facility that recording you can leave facility. set up. Like it, it's like Impact, right? When they had just if you yeah. if you had a venue where you could just leave it set up for wrestling, do you know how much time that saves? It's just to be able to have the ring there, and then somebody goes around and gives it a once over, make sure it's all right, rather than have to get it all off a van, load it all in. <laughs> Put down all the mats, put out all the chairs. You can just sort of do a big shufty clean for an hour and then get everybody in. That's probably what WWE liked about the Thunderdome era. Oh, that must have been awesome. That must have been amazing. Yeah, just, just turn always... up kind of mid-afternoon time, get ready to go. Always have it ready just to yeah. wrestle in an empty, weird arena. Pre-record as much as you want. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's a bad setup. You know, obviously the COVID and all that was pretty bad, but everything yeah. else was fine about it. But if there was one benefit, it was, of course, the Thunderdome <laughs> of the whole experience. <laughs> I really like that. It did wonders. Yeah. It was a good time. Uh, so a very positive meeting all around. There's a talk about medical insurance through, for the wrestlers. All right. From Eric Bischoff saying that we'd like to get everybody on board uh, once you pass drug tests and stuff. Nice. Uh, it says here, uh, several wrestlers who they were considering putting under contract, such as Brad Armstrong and Pat Tanaka, were getting drug tests on the same day as this meeting. Right. Presumably, once you pass a drug test, then they can hire you because they're looking to get everybody onto. But WWF insurance. and their billionaire Ted Skids told me that they don't do any drug testing, Thomas. Mm, they certainly What's going did. on here? Well, it's funny that you say that because as this very lovely, positive meeting is happening in WCW, yeah. Vince McMahon is. Fucking kick it off. Uh, Diesel, what the fuck are you doing? I told you I wanted a million dollar game. <laughs> There's only 700 seats in the building, Vince. A million dollars. Oh, I'm so sorry, Vince. I know you wanted a million dollar game, but I went to home base and this one was 30 quid. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, from The Observer. Vince McMahon came out with guns blazing on all fronts in his no-holds-barred war with his opposition, who he claims isn't WCW, but the Turner Empire. This was always a point with the WCW-WF war. Vince always cited Ted Turner as the baddie, not Eric Bischoff. Look, Bischoff's a guy doing a job Yeah. Um, at the end of the day. At this phase of WCW, Bischoff... I don't believe has any sort of ownership stakes, claims, or percentages of the the business. No. I don't think, but he he's very much somebody in a key central leading position. Mm. But Vince didn't have beef with Bischoff. Like initially, Vince had beef with Turner going back to Georgia, like oh, yeah. Ole Anderson's territory. When Vince buys that out from under Ole, because Ted Turner wouldn't give him the TV rights. So, because there was already wrestling there, so he buys the slot, which means Ted Turner's forced to put on Vince's product. And then the Georgia 
audience start watching WWF. They don't really like it. They don't like the fact that it's this overly dramatic, you know, entertainment-themed wrestling. They like blood and guts and, and proper, like, wrestling. Mm-hmm. So they just write in in droves until Turner gives out a couple more wrestling slots and Vince loses exclusivity. And then Vince is forced to sell the uh, the territory for $1 million. And I can't remember who he sells it to, but the last words he says to him is, you'll choke on that million. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and that was the point where, you know, when when Turner rang up Vince and was like, Vince, I'm in the wrestling business. And Vince was like, well, that's great to hear, Ted, but I'm in the entertainment business and hung the phone up on him. So they, yeah, they've got a bit of a feud. And that's why if you go back to the billionaire Ted skits, there's one key person who's being made fun of above all else, because there's a lot of people being prodded at, but it's always Turner. Turner's always and it gets oddly uh, personal with Turner, unlike it does with other people. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. we've seen that in a few of the uh, Turner billionaire Ted skits on Raw. Yeah, which kind of poke fun at like the medication that he's on yeah. and some of his more personal uh, relationships and such. And it's less about WCW and it's more about this weirdo that runs a company. Yeah, it's and... this is a blood feud for Vince, mm. like to the point where a, a network has to tell Vince to cool it and Vince has to blow off this story still, even though he could just abandon it. Uh, and so he does it on pay-per-view pre-show rather than on weekly TV because parent companies and that. And uh, it's it, this is a, a war that is so intense in Vince's mind, it made him lose all sense of irony because this week he filed a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission saying that TBS is engaged in a systematic plan to destroy the World Wrestling Federation so it can achieve a monopoly in the wrestling industry. But he's <laughs> blinded by his own arrogance with oh, it, though. That's so the thing. Much so so it, it's sort of... Part of me thinks that he knowingly does it because it, it's like, you know, uh, he's the schoolyard tattle, right? Mm. He's stood behind the dinner nanny. The second her back's turned, he hits a kid in the face. And when the kid kicks off and goes swinging for the kid, he's like, miss, miss, miss. <laughs> and then <laughs> she tells the kid off. That's what he's doing. But I think he's like using it to his advantage just to kind of be that annoying to them because having to deal with that complaint from them is just paperwork that they then send back and go, no. He started it, and then it just goes, it's, it's tit for tat, really, isn't it? You started it. <laughs> uh, this week, he also had Jerry McDivitt, his longtime lawyer, send a letter to Eric Bischoff demanding an apology for Bischoff's televised insinuations that on the WCW hotline as well that Titan Sports were responsible for the power cut in Lakeland on Nitro the other week. They made some sort of off comment going, well, we know who's doing this, and it, it was a technical failure, but Vince has gone, apologize! They should have opened tonight's nitro with um with what do you call him zodiac just flipping the house lights <laughs> just kind of laughing that should have been what they did uh, <laughs> this week he also wrote a letter himself to ted turner complaining about wcw reinstituting blading and promising bloodbaths at super brawl look what your company's doing wcw no but worst. but vince's yeah he's, he's doing it on purpose wcw yeah. for the longest time are a company that's based around family values and and not overly violent, dramatic, gory displays of the art form that is professional wrestling, mm-hmm. I guess, if you want to put it like that and look at it that way. Uh, they were kind of uh, a much cleaner product for the time, even though it's not super clean by today's standards. For the time, they were kind of, you know, you go to and you didn't really have much swearing. You didn't really have much line crossing. Compared to WWF, who, while they weren't really doing it at the time either, they were about to barrel headfirst into that 
with open arms. Well, that's it. We, we've started to see a little turn on yeah. Raw, sort of coming, coming, going into and coming out of WrestleMania 12. Yeah, they start to sort of turn up mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 fire on that. Well, we bit, we kind of the backlot brawl was popular for being so chaotic, while yeah. it was a bit of a mess. You know, it, it, it's. That sort of thing, and then when you got the ECW flavor burning underneath everybody's ass, like it's, yeah. Uh, also, um, oh, this comes from Dave Meltzer, a little editorial from Dave says Vincent Mann claims the problem isn't a wrestling promotional war, but the Turner Empire is using its power to destroy the WWF. Despite what looks to many to be ironic similarities, Vincent Mann claims the entire situation is entirely different from a decade ago. I I get. <laughs> Like why Vince is digging his heels in and being such a whiny little bitch. Oh, completely. About it. But at the same time, it's sort of like his argument, I guess, if it's different, uh, is the fact that he has a wrestling product that's very popular, yes. Maybe not as popular as it once was, and maybe he doesn't have all the stars he used to have because of, you know, real world legal stuff that also marred his company's image for a little bit. Uh, but he puts his things on a TV show, on like a TV network, sorry. Mm. Uh, Turner owns TV networks. Turner has very deep pockets and the ability to just swing them an extra five minutes and just do all this. And that's why I think it's more like, oh, well, you've got a better relationship with your network than me. (laughs) And I think it it comes from that sort of insecurity, maybe. I don't know. Because Vince obviously is aware that, you know, if, you know, Turner has the money if they wanted yeah. you to turn the, turn the tide, and they do for a while. Yeah, um, 83 weeks. For 83 whole weeks, and uh, Eric Bischoff is so humble about that, that's what he named his podcast. Uh, but for 83 weeks, they have, them on, they have them on the run. And Vince, I think, is very aware of what's on the horizon here, uh, which is why all of this is being, is being kicked up. Uh, and and uh, this is a little bit of the war that is forgotten. Uh, now... Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, potentially going to WCW. It's in a few flavors from WCW already. From they can't possibly, though, because Diesel and Razor Ramon still appear. Mm. JR brings them out and everything. Oh, it's... <laughs> I can't wait for that one. That's a fun <laughs> one. Um, this might not be a name that is familiar to you. It might be. I might be I might be uh, massively underestimating you, my good sir. Uh, but if you listen to the Coldholic Classic Raw review, this is a name that you will know. Barry Dedinsky. Uh, is in talks to move to WCW to upgrade their merch stuff. Not a clue. Now, Barry Dodinsky on Monday Night Raw would do these bits in the crowd where he'd be showing off the new WWF merch. So he was Don West. He was kind of like a Don West where they cut to Barry the Dud Dodinsky and he'd be wearing like a Shawn Michaels (laughs) t-shirt. He'd have some fake WWF, he'd have some like toy WWF belts. There was one in particular where I think he poured a load of WWF It better not be fake. That's what the Hebner's got. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hebner's in the parking lot selling them. There's there's one where I seem to remember he pours like a load of WWF pogs onto the ring apron and goes, get all these when you buy a T-shirt. Referees just having to clean it up quickly (laughs) before the match. Prick. (laughs) We don't do pog death matches yet. Um, So he's been on the regular and he's and he he is so out of place Mm. because WWF is desperately trying to be like this cool thing. And then you've got Barry Dodinsky, who's kind of like a like a sort of bloaty middle aged guy going, look at my diesel shirt. Isn't it great? (laughs) Get it now. Call this number. But having said that, WWF, as Bischoff says in this meeting the other day, WWF are smashing WCW when it comes to merch sales. Mm. And they are keen to to find out what the secret is. And they think they found it in Barry Dodinsky. So there's a there's a conversation. 
conversation about him joining. I don't think it comes to anything, but I found that a very funny little line when we talk about the dud so much on WWF Raw. I liked liked WCW t-shirts. It wasn't really anything to complain there, but some of the figures, man, sucked (laughs) off. Some of the figures were like like LJNS card molded, like (laughs) DDP figure where he does this when you fucking squeeze him, right? (laughs) What use have you got out of that in a ring? You can put his arms like this and pincer them, but they still, I think, just do this. So it's it's not like like they kind of come in and you could like have him hug somebody or something. I think they still just do that. So basically, if you're listening, (laughs) what happens is you squeeze the DDP in the middle and he goes to kind of do a a self-high-five, but but can't quite reach. So it's like a... And then you had the magnet hand buddies. We got some of those in the cupboard next door where you you clip them together. I had Hogan and and, uh, Goldberg and they were clipped together and you squeeze the legs and they lift each other up or they (laughs) they clip to like a metal weapon and you squeeze the legs and they lift it up and slam it down as you let go. I'd argue that it's the most realistic feat, feat, the most realistic bit of merch that WCW could (laughs) release that is a Hulk Hogan magnet that sticks to Randy Savage. (laughs) That's probably the most realistic bit of merch they could do, based on what we know. I never heard of those, the magnet ones. Yeah, they kind of satisfyingly click together. Oh, good. that's quite. They're not much use for anything else. You got to kind of use them together. But uh, one person you won't get an action figure of from WCW is Sherry Martel, mate. She's gone. Mm. She is done. Uh, Nitro last week, she was scheduled to do an angle uh, where she takes a baseball bat to Rob Parker's car, the spurned. Uh, bride at the altar. You're telling me that this this storyline that made absolutely no sense and nobody was really invested in isn't going anywhere, Tom? No, it's not because Sherry turned I'm up I'm writing in... a formal complaint to Turner Networks right now. <laughs> Pass me a pen. Pass me a pen. <laughs> oh, she um, she was in no condition to perform when she arrived, Dave Meltzer. <laughs> uh, and there's been a few concerns with her. She was meant to go to Japan for the WCW shows in November, yeah. but missed her flight. And there's been a few occasions where she hasn't attended certain shows, and they've just gone, we're just going to cut our losses and let you go. Uh, however, there is some concern because of the way that she was fired, because there's obviously more afoot here than just somebody who can't be asked to come to work. It sounds like yeah. she may have some real uh, issues here. There's concern that she might file a lawsuit against WCW for her dismissal. Mm. Uh, so that's one we will probably keep an eye on. Definitely will be more in, in the news, I imagine. Going to end on two new tag teams for you that were, uh, that, were, that were touted at the WCW Saturday night tapings that we've just had, a big old blocker tapings. All right, hit me up. Bubba Rogers and VK Wall Street. Nice. Going to be a tag team going I'll forward. Take that. That's all right, yeah. isn't it? Uh, Bubba wearing the suit and tie gimmick, but using a nightstick as well. So he's, he's leaning a bit more back into boss man. Scott Norton, your boy, teams up with Ice Train as a babyface team called Fire and Ice. Scott Norton hates it. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't, I can't, I, I can't pretend I'm surprised. Scott Norton is, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, just a powerhouse. Oh, he's a beast. He's an absolute powerhouse. We will be seeing more of him. He popped up in New Japan for quite some time, had a good run there, and then... Uh, he had a great pop, run there for my WGP shop. Yeah, uh, picked back up with New Japan not too long ago and for a bit of a nostalgia run and didn't really seem to have aged much mm. at all. Looked exactly the same. Maybe he dyed his hair or whatever. I don't know, but it looked exactly the same. Why do you think Scott Norton didn't like? Because because he's we've watched him on on the on the Nitro review. He's yeah. not terrible. Is it a thing kind of similar to Doctor Death, where I like maybe the window? Because I think with Doctor Death, the window just wasn't right. Like there was so much hype of him heading into WWF, and then the awful brawl to, uh, brawl for all. Mm. Uh, but like with Norton, I don't know if it's just because. 
he was maybe a victim of the fact that nearly everybody, even though we'd had the steroid situation, the, the industry was still full of big power guys. Uh, and maybe he didn't initially in the US have, or like in the North America at least, have that uh, charismatic side of him come out. Yeah, I guess but it was I a I think when you get to thing. Japan, and, and it, it's slightly more pantomime uh, in that way, where he can really kind of be an over-the-top, like, you know screaming valiant baby face or like an angry aggro villain throwing chairs everywhere like i think that gave him a lot more freedom to just sort of be a big character and mm. that might be why he's remembered more over there plus he was a unit so like yes. he was an absolute unit so big power guy kind of snug with it all they like that yeah maybe maybe but anyway he's 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 did a team with Ice Train now, and he's not. He doesn't like. Yeah, it. delicious. Might be all right. I yeah, know. we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, on we go to this week's episode of Nitro, February the twelfth, nineteen ninety six. It is the day after Super Brawl. We are at the Florida State Fair in downtown Tampa. Now, George Steinbrenner uh, has come under a lot of fire for the nineteen ninety six Florida State Fair because the budget for performers and attractions has been slashed. So the previous year, we'd seen Boys to Men and Reba McIntyre performing. Yes. This year's headline were comedian Jeff Foxworthy and country singer Aaron Tippin. Oh, <laughs> wow. Oh. Now, here's the thing. The undercard for the stage, yeah. which, again, where I read like old copies of the Herald and stuff from yeah. America to see what they made of this, it was laughed, it was mocked because it featured Michael McDonald, mm. who's not... Can't forget, I'm in love anymore. Just do an a cappella. It'd be great. <laughs> And Tom fucking Jones. Eh. But Tom Jones! He eh. didn't he didn't write a country ballad or something. <laughs> Did you say it? who was the last year? Uh Boys to Men and Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre! Who's Reba McIntyre? She did the national anthem for WrestleMania th two, three, four. Is she Vince Is introduced she the her. Canadian woman? Maybe six then. Reba McIntyre. Hold on, yeah. I need to Google this. But I think this. I think while you're googling that, so like the Tom Jones thing struck me, and I thought that's really weird because Tom Jones surely is our star. But this is '96, so whether there was a point where Tom's star sort of dipped, I know that that song with Moose T in '01 brought him screaming back. Nah, she's not. She's not the person I thought it was. No, no, I couldn't remember who I was thinking of. I just thought as well, Reba McIntyre didn't do the national anthem for WrestleMania three. It was Aretha Franklin. In my head, I thought I'd heard Vince say Reba McIntyre. It's a word that Vince would probably enjoy. <laughs> Saying. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, this nitro is expected to run at a massive loss, Sam. Tickets are free for anyone who attends the fair. Okay. There's a hope it'll bring new eyes to wrestling and bring a full house. It did neither. Uh, there are <laughs> points during this episode of Nitro where, I mean, you accept that the hard cam side is going to yeah. be empty anyway. It normally is. Even for fucking Clash of the Castle, where we were at, you were on the hard cam side. And you yeah. could see, like, it was empty. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't loads. It was kind of one end of the stand uh, with the corners filled, I think. And they had a big Welsh flag over it. Yeah, it was all yeah. right. But there's points on this episode of Nitro where you can see lots of empty seats in yeah. the distance. Where this place has not been sold out. Um, it's, not, it's just people that turned up for the State Fair dressed like chairs, Tom. Come on. <laughs> is that what it is? It's a tradition in Florida. Florida. <laughs> it's one of those Florida uncultured things. Uncultured swine. I am an uncultured Floridian swine. And the ones you can't see that are there, right? There's loads more there. They're dressed as alligators rolling around the floor. So, I just thought... saying, do your research next time, mate. <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> Eric Bischoff, Bobby Heenan, Mongo, and Pepe 
recap Super Brawl 6 as the crowd chant Weasel. Pepe's got little sunglasses on. He's 14 out of 10. He's a good dog sprint. Yeah. Uh, he's gorgeous. Ric Flair is the new champ from Super Brawl 6. Okay. Randy Savage has a broken body and a broken heart after oh. Elizabeth turned her back on her slamming the Slamming the door and everything. Oh, Liz. We got a reference to Pillman respecting the Booker Man and leaving the building. Now, the Observer says that all matches involving Pillman in syndication have been erased from upcoming shows. Ooh. And also, I don't know whether you noticed this, they're not referring to them as the Four Horsemen anymore. It's the Horsemen. Just yeah. the Horsemen. Because mm. obviously that's not four. <laughs> uh, so they're just the Horsemen. Or a few times, Ric Flair and his entourage. Mm. So they're kind of easing back a little well, bit. On so they've the kind of, they're, they're leaning more on woman... Liz, like you've kind of mm. got, yeah, it's we're kind of reverting back to, was it like 92, 93, where Flair had the dinner table, mm. the buffet table during his matches? Oh. Or is that still, no, I'm sure I remember the blue ring where Flair would just kind of be like, just, just two seconds, and he'd have a table full of glamorous women, and it looked like kind of a Roman banquet table. There'd nice. be like a, a whole roast hog and then fruit and like just, just finger food everywhere. I like that as a thing. I don't remember <laughs> any of that, but I want to find that now. Um, we get stills from the the, shoot, the Super Bowl show, which is now available to film the replay. Uh, we get stills from the double cage match main event, the yep. turn by Elizabeth, and fucking hell, the debut of Giant fucking Haste. Loch Ness. Loch Ness, I apologize. I used his old name. Nessie is in action tonight. What a fucking treat! This is, and what a treat it is. What a treat it is. But it's not until the second match. No. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to hold on to our excitement for a little bit. But you fucking wait. <laughs> our opening match is former world champion Randy Savage facing Hugh Morris. How the mighty have fucking fallen here? <laughs> like, Randy has been tret like shit over the last year. <laughs> like, it just feels like he is down on his look. Like, storyline-wise, he is just down on his look. Cannot catch a break. Liz finally comes back. It all goes to shit again. <laughs> Hogan stealing his limelight all the time. And now he's opening the show against Hugh Morris. And I was sat there like, I can see him not winning this. I can see him not winning it. I could easily see him not winning it because they'd have Hogan come out at the end and save the day or some shit. <laughs> And it's bad that my brain's got there. Yeah, and like, they're real and bad. It's that's the booking man, that's Randy done that. Savage, man. It's the booking that's done that as well. Oh. The booking has ruined it for you. Uh, Savage is, and also you're forgiven for thinking like this is going to be the end of him because Savage came out without any of the usual pomp and circumstance. Yeah, straight on. No jacket, no tassels, barely any hot dogging, hardly any grandstanding. Definitely no slim Jimmy. Definitely no slim Jimmy. But they are, but they acknowledge this on commentary. Yeah, they're like, well, he's not as flamboyant as he normally is. Like they're <laughs> playing at the fact that he's paggered from he the lost last his luggage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like Shawn Michaels he's lost his smile. Suit tonight. Savage <laughs> lost his luggage, and then he has to wrestle and uncool clothes the entire audience turns their back on him and he can never win a face <laughs> again with them <laughs> had a fucking nightmare getting our luggage back I can imagine because <laughs> yeah. it had to go from like two different flights Alex's suitcase came out within two minutes I'm, I'm so happy we're flying direct because the last time I had to do the States basically under Obama I don't think the rules stood but second Trump <laughs> got in because uh, I remember it was a lot easier, a lot quicker flying international before Trump. And then when Trump came in, there was like a new mandate to the TSA. And if you had a connection, so if you were flying like to Texas or somewhere and you went like UK to North Carolina, North Carolina to Texas or whatever, you would have to take your bags off at 
the connection oh. and then recheck the fucking things for the connecting flight. And then you'd be like, I've got 48 minutes to get to the gate and get my <laughs> luggage and get it handed over and get through security. <laughs> I mean, thankfully, Emirates transferred it for us. That's that was good. fine. Yeah. But Alex's suitcase literally came out like within the first three cases. <laughs> Mine came out literally last four or five. Oh. Like and 45 minutes later. You should have just duct like, taped them together. Get, I should have done. Yeah. So I was like, how did they get so separated between like here, Abu Dhabi and, and Mali? Like, Some bloke just pulled out your case on its own. <laughs> start kicking it. <laughs> Just put it back right at the back of the plane, and we had a horrible. Oh God, I'll tell you. It's a. I don't. I don't think my my wife to be will mind me telling this story. That's nice to say. Um, so obviously, the, as I said to you, the ring was too big for her yeah. hand. So she was very reluctant to it wear. It was too it. big for the luggage was, as well. So <laughs> yeah, we had. To... <laughs> I, had to, I had to wear it. I had to wear it as a belt. <laughs> and then, and then I wondered why. Well, I had not thought about the fact it was supposed to go around somebody's finger by the time I arrived and, and asked her to marry me. I thought you'd throw it round her like an She inflatable... just looked at me like, what the fuck's this? A frisbee? It's to keep you like an inner tube. <laughs> just wrap it around you. You're my wife now. You're my wife now. Just attach some strings. <laughs> but um, we got back to uh, Mum and Dad's house and so she put it in like a like a little tie-up bag with all her jewellery. Yeah. Opened a bag to show them on the ring. Wasn't where Alex had put it. Oh, God. Took out all her stuff. Wasn't there. Emptied my bag. Wasn't there. Emptied out the handbag. My rucksack. Wasn't there. Alex, this is this is 10 minutes into this. And Alex is like, she's she's going white. And she, and she's filling up. And she's getting upset. And she, she starts crying. She's like, it was in here. And her mum, I love Lady Beverly. But her mum... Was going. Thing is, they might have seen the 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 label of where you've come from. They might have gone in and just taken. Why are you saying that, man? <laughs> Why are you saying that? We might have just left it at the the hotel. I will I'm just stoking yeah. the flames. I will. I will, I've I've messed by this point. I've messaged Somebody's the hotel. Nicked it. I saw somebody on the the yeah. hashtag for that resort who had the exact same thing today. <laughs> and Alex is like beside herself, and I and I'm giving her a hug. So look, it doesn't matter. Like if it's at the hotel, you wouldn't have left it on purpose. Mm. She's like, I didn't leave it anywhere. I said, No, I'm not saying that you did i think that you it's something i'd have done it's fine and then and alex's mom is going come he's saying that i left no i'm not i'm not saying that you did it on purpose i'm not accusing you of anything so like she's upset i'm like i'm just gonna call them and as i'm dialing the maldives she's like oh it's in the coat pocket here <laughs> you not where you thought it was, but like, it's like tensions are so high. Oh Bless her. Like, even when she found it, she was just sobbing her eyes out. I was like, it's fine. It's here. It's all fine. And then <laughs> Lady Beverly, who again, I love. She was like, oh gosh, you went from naught to 100 there. I don't know where you get it from. I've got a fucking idea, Beverly. <laughs> it was probably stolen. Bev! <laughs> don't say that! It was definitely, definitely stolen. Christ almighty! It's like looking at a small bonfire and just going like, nah. What I could do with more wood? Just a massive tanker full of pebbles. <laughs> oh, it's warming up now. Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, God, that's my mother-in-law, that is. That's, that's exciting. Right, so... Um, <laughs> she no. like the doctor off Arrested Development. Where it's like... <laughs> 
I'm sorry, but we've lost him. And they're just like beside themselves. And then they go in the room and the curtain's just blowing open and he's escaped. Yeah, no, but there was, a, there was, a, there was a, a true story from Lady Beverly once where she... Uh, she was, <laughs> she was trying to remember the name of the Bond villain and said to a whole room of people, you know, blowjob. Bond... <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's laughing. They're going, she's going, what? He was called blowjob. <laughs> Beverly wasn't called <laughs> It's either, it's either. <laughs> Hot job or blowjob. <laughs> oh, oh God. needs to just mash those two together now. They, we need blowjob as a villain. Oh, I'm so excited I can now do mother-in-law gags. I'm so... <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to marry my, you know, my... I've had a book full of them since I was 12. <laughs> as exciting as it is to marry my soulmate, I can now do mother-in-law gags. That's brilliant. Um, so, anyway, it's Savage versus Hugh Morris. Scrappy affair from the off. You actually forget what a unit Hugh Morris was. Yeah. When, like, this is the thing. It, it, it's, it's, it's just a horrible shame with everything that came out about Bill DeMott subsequently. Like, the he's somebody I always wondered why initially, where it was like, oh, like... I know he's training and stuff, but I, I thought WWE would have maybe tried to to do a bit more with him because of like you know the earlier WCW stuff. But then I I remember I don't really I wasn't really like a big follower as it started to get toward the end. Mm. And it's I obviously I don't know the crack, but like he for the time like just the explosiveness reminds me a lot of like Jim Neidhart, but just with yeah. more like more over the top and dramatic sort of. Um, maneuvers and, and yeah that kind of that weird sort of cracked charisma of like crazy that he pulled off really well mm. in this phase it gets a bit ridiculous as we move toward MIA uh, <laughs> but yeah yeah they, they, that's, that's for later down the road uh, so He's, he's really giving it to Savage, a point in this. Commentators are talking about tensions between the Dungeon of Doom and the Horseman. Heenan saying that Flair and Sullivan had separate dressing rooms when they filmed that episode of Baywatch. Check local listings. <laughs> uh, the end of this match comes uh, when Savage, when, when uh, Hugh Morris misses low, la No Laughing Matter, the big mm. moonsault. Uh, Savage then hits a body slam and two elbow drops for the one, the two, the three. Sam breathed a sigh of relief. He goes for a third. Morris rolls out of the ring and then Savage grabs the mic and says, I don't want him. I want the nature boy, Ric Flair. Yes. He leaves, leaps over the top rope and heads up the ramp. We find out that next week he gets his wish. Savage versus Flair, one-on-one -on -one for the WCW title, will be our main event. Mongo responds to this by saying, take the shot collar off the Doberman. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Uh, thoughts on our opening match between Hugh and Savage? Uh, explosive, kind of. You can tell, like it's it's out there to try and grab attention. They're in a, as you said, they're in like a state fair situation. Potentially new viewers. You got a big star out there. You got a new star out there. Somebody who is quite exciting to match. Randy's kind of over the top, in and out of the ring, sort of just craziness. Mm. So I think you know it's possibly one of the better choices they could have had to start it. Uh, and it doesn't, as you said, doesn't start bad. It's nice and explosive, but it gradually just grinds to that standard halt, doesn't it? And, yeah. and Randy over in traditional manner. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah. WCW Magazine commercial offering photos of WCW World War Three, yeah. which was now bloody months ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right, lads. You forget how far print is behind sometimes, though, because yeah. especially by the time you get something like PWI here from time to time when I can find it. Uh, or at least I don't know if it's as bad now because it's in Smith's now I think but like before it was in Smith's I'd be like picking up an issue and it's like oh yeah all your coverage from like five months ago and I'm like whoa <laughs> Like, this is behind. You think, you know, I know, like doing this job, you realize nowadays, like how quickly wrestling news moves. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's and like... to think of like how Power Slam could have even possibly hoped to cover like the CM Punk 
issue yeah. and kept it like it's relatively like, I, I current. Know, I didn't know anything about like the Observer or anything when I was a kid, but whenever we get Power Slam, like it, it, you'd just sort of savor it. It was the same as getting like mm. OPSM, where it's like, oh, there's a rumblings of a new game, and you'd be like, oh, uh, <laughs> and you'd think about it for months. But I think it's because we we weren't really quite we were barreling headfirst into a fast food culture, but we weren't quite fully there where it's just instantaneous. Mm. Uh, and the internet being what it was, you still had message boards, you still had all that, but not your average Joe would be on there. Like I didn't have internet for ages. Uh, so it, it's like, I guess if you moved at that pace of life and you were just kind of happy with the magazines, then yeah, but it's still a bit weird that it's quite far behind. It is, it is. Uh, mean Gene uh, is up next. He's chatting to Steve Grissom uh, from Diamond Ridge Motorsports. He is their number two driver for the WCW car. <laughs> He has the energy and charisma of a number two driver of the WCW car. Just keep turning left. (laughs) Just keep turning left. He's very excited to be on Nitro. uh, And he says Sting is going to be working the pit crew this coming weekend for their next race, which I think is asking for trouble because he's not an expert in building cars. Yeah, what would they have him doing? Can you imagine, right? Get the wheel off, get the wheel off, get the wheel off. Oh, my God. Sting, we The car pulls away, just sparking, missing one wheel. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just still sat there with a wrench, just like... I would not have And they, they the make him sit there till he does it successfully <laughs> once just for the nitro taping. <laughs> it's like we've done all of our mandated pits for the race. You have to move over to another team now. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly Sting is just part of like a like a real shit. This is a really, really uncomfortable zoom in, so you can't tell he's not working on the WCW car. <laughs> well they cut to very different hands. Eventually, yeah, they, they can't quite get it right, so they try and shoot some hands, and then just as a pickup. They get a really close-in shot of him in the car park at WCW headquarters, <laughs> just slowly with a tire iron taking it all off. And then they kind of cut the car, dramatically pulling in, screeching, and then he's like, all right, lads. And then they record him in the pit, just tapping the car like that as it drives off. And then you cut that in, magic of editing. Done. <laughs> the power of editing. I hope they've got video of this, but this is WCW, so I doubt they will. Here we bloody go. Scotty Riggs off of American Males. Times 11. Times 11 is out. Uh, Bischoff asks if he's got his life insurance sorted because his opponent... He almost needs it. Let's oh, fuck. He does. His newest arrival to WCW, formerly known as Giant Fucking Haystacks, Loch Ness is here. It's time. It's time. It's Loch Ness. (laughs) Time. <laughs> oh. So, Mongo asks if Loch Ness. That's <laughs> the fact he's fucking English. Now, as I've he's got... making his way to the ring, I've got a theory on this. I've got a theory on this because, mind you, Mongo asks if it says, "Is Loch Ness? Is he even from England?" <laughs> I said that to Fraser, and his face could have melted a small car. Um, now, Loch Ness is announced as being from Scotland, yeah. right? I think I know what's gone wrong, right? And I asked again, I've, I've corroborated this with Fraser. Uh, is it a, the American school? Ex- no. Because <laughs> Giant Haystacks like, has a very strong Lancashire accent. So I'm They've assuming misinterpreted that, it as Scottish. Because in Scotland, you've got Lanarkshire. Yeah. Lanarkshire. Lanarkshire. You've got Lanarkshire. So whether somebody without any knowledge of the world has gone Lancashire, Lancashire. Lanarkshire. Oh, that's the region in Scotland. That's possibly it. Oh, maybe. That's possibly it. But then again, like, it. what else are you going to name him? The dragon? Like, if he's English, what have we got monster-wise? Because Grendel, like, is part of Beowulf, <laughs> which is an Roman. English text, I guess. <laughs> but you can't really give him a name like Grendel. 
he can't really be called. Fucking the top baby face he, in the he, UK was Shirley. Of course, you, you know, can call him Grendel. But then. But then <laughs> <laughs> You've got what other mythical creatures like griffins and stuff, griffins. lions. He doesn't fit lion, like dragon, but Ricky the dragon, steamboat. So you can't really have that. What other spooky monsters have we got from the UK? There's like the Morrigan, which is Scottish or Celtic. There's like there's a few through like pagan stuff, but like the biggest one that's sitting on the plate, monster wise, crypto uh, cryptid wise. Sorry, in the UK's Nessie. So maybe maybe there was maybe that was the idea all along. They just oh go, my, it's the lantern worm. <laughs> The lantern worm! <laughs> Holy fuck! <laughs> we need a wrestler from the northeast called the lantern. The lantern worm. Uh, and they can't be thin. They, they've got to just no. be like completely the antithesis, like a giant muscular guy. Anything. You've got to be. Yeah. You cannot. Look... You cannot look thin like a worm. It has to be the complete opposite. But you have to do the worm. Yeah. <laughs> Scotty too hearty style. Throughout the match. That's your that's your resting. You know in 2K when you kind of got the resting stance? Yeah. Your resting stance is perma worm. Just doing yeah. constantly. And your finish is to constrict yourself around somebody <laughs> until they look like the hill, in, uh, the hill in Penshaw. <laughs> like a knob of butter. Um, now, I'm very aware. With the monument on, he just sticks on top of the wall. <sighs> now I'm very aware. It was very that... nearly the sequel to the the Wicker Man that you know. Well, Pedro Monument. <laughs> no, the the Lampton one. <laughs> was it? No, yeah, genuinely. For, are you are you being the real? Genuinely, yeah. The, really? the, the writer of the Wicker Man, uh, fascinated by you know all the pagan stuff and uh, stories and folklore and fairy tales and like fantasy. Uh, and so after the Wicker Man, which kind of examines pagan cult behavior, it was going to be a story about the Lampton one. And no I, I think it got written, but I don't think it ever got funded. Uh, oh. But yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah, I'm sure I read about that. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Mm. I did not know that. I kind of wish it had happened because just a, a horror film about the Lampton Worm would be fucking I mean, brilliant. There's so many streaming services now. Like, I'm sure sh maybe somebody. No, but somebody like, works for Shudder for the could era. Make the for the era, worm. what like in like the 80s, very early 80s, late 70s, just the CG. It'd be Clash of the Titans. as fuck a giant plasticine worm coming out and constricted itself uh. around a hill. <laughs> It's the worm! It's the Lampton worm! As it's just going like... Oh. Somebody on Shudder make that, please. <laughs> now, I'm very aware that last time we were together, we got incredibly excited about the arrival of Giant Haystacks. Yes. And I'm very aware that, judging by the ACAST, um, the ACAST numbers, there's a high percentage of people from the United States that listen to this, and at least three in Afghanistan. Hello, if that's you. Nice. Now, um, so I thought we should do a little fact find on Giant Haystacks to bring everybody up to speed with this legend of British wrestling. Okay. So, uh, Martin Austin Ruane, uh, or Rune, uh, a.k.a. World of Sports star Giant Haystacks, the arch nemesis of one of British wrestling's biggest draws, Big Daddy. His, his singlet's made out of a couch. It's Big Daddy. Hey. Easy, easy, easy. To ah, smash him in the face, Big Daddy. Like that, that's, 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 that's your weekends in the 70s and 80s in the UK. Exactly. Big yeah. Daddy, a.k.a. Shirley Crabtree, versus yeah. Giant Haystacks, Martin Ruan. Uh, after leaving St. Thomas School uh, in London at the age of 14, at over 6'10 already, mm -hmm. uh, he worked in a timber factory and a tyre farm. 
I say tire firm, not a tire farm. <laughs> tire farm. Well, I was like, are they, they grow tires? tires? Free range. Is it like a free range? And you just put them at the top of a hill and roll them down. <laughs> like, I oh, see those tires over there. They're free range tires. We let, cost, them, be, we let them be all the grass. They cost they want. more than your standard Michelin boys. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I tell you what, they're bigger and they last a lot longer. Um, he drove heavy goods vehicles and he was a bouncer in a nightclub. I was going to say you had to be a bouncer at some point. Oh, He's huge. Was. Uh, it was legendary UK promoter Brian Dixon that got him into the wrestling world and christened him Haystacks Calhoun originally, mm-hmm. named after the American wrestler. And he read, because he read in PWI, uh, oh, about Haystacks Calhoun. I like that name. Even wore similar gear. Even, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Dixon liked the name, liked the look, but when there were issues using that name, he went, we'll call you Giant Haystacks. Yeah. It makes you sound bigger than Haystacks, who was already massive. Yeah. Uh, whilst a despised heel, Haystacks had uh, some very famous fans. Paul McCartney and Giant Haystacks struck up a bit of a friendship because Paul McCartney uh, got <laughs> Giant Paul Hay- McCartney found out that Ringo was a big daddy man. <laughs> <laughs> and he I'll, just wanted to stick it to him one more time. I really like big daddy. Um, <laughs> they became friends after Haystacks appeared alongside McCartney and Ringo Starr, funny yeah. enough, in the Peter Webb movie, Give My Regards to Broad Street. Ah. They became mates doing that. Haystacks, in an interview with The Independent, said... Uh, Paul McCartney would sit with me on and off the set. He used to watch the wrestling regularly. He came to see me many times when I wrestled in Sussex. He used to bring his son, and when we were in London, he'd take my lad Martin into town to play the pinball machines. Nice. Lovely. Another big fan of the Haystacks was the Queen, Elizabeth II, rest in peace, Mum, who would genuinely watch World of Sport every Saturday afternoon with Philip. I they loved that, a bit of World of Sport. I heard that she watched it, yeah. yeah. I heard that she watched Meltzer it. Meltzer mentioned it, didn't she? She apparently once cancelled sold a uh, a live performance from Paul McCartney she she uh, i think it was for a birthday or something uh, or it was some sort of private performance and she just kind of shit canned that because Twin Peaks was on and that was like <laughs> get up there Liz <laughs> I love any story that make Elizabeth like a normal human being yeah. uh, another big fan of his Frank Sinatra not what come on no nah, i'm not having that i went to see him sing at the albert hall because i wrestled there many times i knew the way out under the stage i passed him in the corridor with his two bodyguards and he said to me mr Haysacks, i watched you on television this afternoon i believe that british wrestlers are the best entertainers in the whole world we exchanged pleasantries he gave me his autograph frank sinatra big fan of giant haystacks <laughs> you, you don't seem to believe this <laughs> Why are you, who are you to doubt Giant Haystacks? I mean, that story paints Giant Haystacks, and uh, no, I, I, I can see it happening. Like, it's, it's sort of, it, it seems like the sort of thing he'd do. Yeah, yeah. When Not w- that I know anything about Frank Sinatra. He's never won. He's never beat Big Daddy. <laughs> when WCW put a call into Haystacks, he was working as a debt collector and a car salesman. World of Sport had been off TV for about a decade. Oh, by fuck this me, point. you would not want him knocking on your door. Imagine that if you owed he money on your credit card. Firm, that fucker. Fuck me. Jesus. He could just knock on your door without you owing him anything and you'd give him money. <laughs> Whatever you want. Just hand it over. <laughs> okay. Just take, take, take me, dog. Just fucking, there's my credit card. Pins <laughs> this. Um, so there wasn't any, and, and the, the end of ITV wrestling kind of put pay to real lucrative wrestling work in the UK. For yeah. a long time. Yeah. Uh, so he made a living outside the ring. WCW were looking for new monsters to fight Hulk Hogan and make headway in the United Kingdom as well. So they said, well, hang on, we've got this big old guy who was a legend on UK television back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like, he seems like a, a credible opponent for Hulk Hogan. Incredibly eye-catching. The second you see him, mm. you can't take your eyes off him. Uh, so it seemed like a good fit. Haystacks made the journey to the States. He hated flying. He always would book three seats. Uh, two to cover him, and then one just as a spare. Extra. Oh, I wish I had that wa- money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, could you imagine? 
Just give me the roll of. Yeah. He always preferred driving, but he says that when he had to fly, he'd always basically just book a row. What he'd do is he'd get in his car and sit in the cargo hold of the plane <laughs> and just pretend he was driving to Florida. <laughs> he'd have his tapes, he had an eight track, you know. That'd be a great day. Switcher and everything. <laughs> Uh, and he went to Florida, he went to America and signed the biggest money deal of his wrestling career mm. to join World Championship Wrestling. Uh, now, I don't upset anybody here, but this is a little bit of a truth bomb from me. Uh, he was a larger than life character, was Martin Ram, was Giant Haystacks. He was an intimidating presence on television. He was a draw for ratings on ITV for many years. He was a kind hearted soul behind the scenes. Nothing but love for him there. But as WCW about to find out, he's a fucking awful wrestler. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those. It's one of those like shit things. But I, I think for the you know as much as whenever you kind of mention classic British wrestler names to people over here, as everybody sort of knows by now, like Big Daddy's a name that will resonate with people of a certain age, as is Giant Haystacks, mm. uh, and they really did carry quite a lot of of the business. Even though you know their meetings were never phenomenal, they weren't exactly the most athletically gifted people in the world. But you had a whole undercard nor, of incredible this world is it. sport they wrestling. Were, nor were they the most gifted technically as wrestlers, but their fame and their success allowed that industry to drive itself to a point where you had an undercard just filled with oh. pure exhibitions of, of traditional British-style wrestling. And then those names were able to get the kind of... The, the audiences that would turn up to watch matches like that... Uh, and, and get that hype and get over to the US, get over to Japan, get out there in the world of wrestling and really make a name for themselves. That like Regal went from UK to Germany to everywhere, didn't he? So mm. it's sort of not being the top, top guy made a lot more stars because they kind of, they got that exposure on these super massive, you know, daddy versus haystack style showdowns. And it just, yeah, it's it's a weird one that two people who, I guess you could say, you know, weren't exactly in there throwing flips and holds and doing all no. the kind of stuff you'd, you'd associate. Uh, they just did it. They 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 opened that door for a lot of people. They did. And those, as you say, those made cards, a hell of a lot of money doing it as well. They certainly did. And for a lot of people, not just themselves. And it was, it was always strange why when World of Sport ended, like it just, there was no, there didn't seem to be any pickup. Like no, it, it was just like else came along for the, shutters, the shutters came down yeah. and it sat there on the high street decaying. Yeah, that's what it felt like. And, you know, British wrestling then went through several tiny bubbles and booms and bursts and it was still able to continue in a certain way, but it was nowhere near to the level it had once been. No. And, and so you start to see promotions uh, turn into casualties and a lot of the talent move across to the US where the programming will eventually come back here anyway. Mm. Uh, and it'll be like, oh, I remember him off World of Sport. And it's, yeah, it's a weird one. I, it's the World of Sport. What I love is when we do Desert Island Craps, World of Sport comes up in conversation more often than I realize. Yeah. The amount of wrestlers that draw. But it's not even World of Sport. From it. That's the thing. Like, World of Sport doesn't really mean anything. It's just a TV show that covered sports. It, it's, it's they several, had a wrestling segment. It had a wrestling segment. So it, it's if you want to look more into it, because the only reason I've found this out is through really listening to Regal and starting to read a lot more about that era. Uh, and it's like joint promotions and, and how it works with Brian Dixon and everybody. And the whole kind of thing was very cl like cleverly and tightly governed. And, and it sort of led to this regional system, sort of like the US. Mm, it did. It did. And and so many were inspired by it. Yeah. My, I, I, while I was away, actually on the way back, I was, I was scrolling through Twitter and 
I think it was uh, it's a Twitter, this uh, Lariato, the Twitter yeah. account, and he was sharing some world of, uh, some clips from the World of Sport match that featured Les Kelly. Yeah. And my favorite bit about that one tiny reason why World of Sport, well, the wrestling industry as a whole has a lot to say thanks to British wrestling from that era, mm. um, is there's there's a move that Les Kelly does where he gets punched, he get he falls back, he bounces off the bottom rope. Yeah. He hits the bottom rope, rebounds back up and gives the guy yeah. a headbutt. Fucking Moxley doing that rebound lunatic lariat. Yeah. That's Les Kelly. That That's the, Les Kelly. Just the, the general pace reversals. Again, it's like Les the, 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 the reversals of it, the drama that comes from the pace of the technicality. Yeah. Because it's not quite as Americanized and showy. So it, it's all the nitty gritty quick turnarounds, like just slightly leveraging a pin just to flip it. And it's all these kind of little moments where you almost get caught out. And it, it shows you that the performers, because the matches were usually structured quite heavily like that. It shows you that the performers are like very gifted technical individuals in their own right. Yeah. So it, it, it really kind of adds to that fight feel rather than, you know, match feel, I guess. It feels more like a competitive combat sport. Yes. In a way, yeah, yeah, and and so a lot. So hats I mean, up. not all of it. There was some great comedy, and there was some some oh, great yeah. sort of you know Les big Kellett big man great, matches and a stuff. Great comedian wrestler. Yeah. He was he was he was incredible. Mm. Uh, but anyway, Giant Haystacks from that world is here, and he he's stepping through with Scotty Riggs. So yes. let's, let's bring us let's bring a slap bang back to 1996. So when I saw this, I figured Scotty's going to be bouncing all over like a pinball, and Haystacks will be just trying to grab him out the air, like Loch Ness. Sorry, trying to grab him out the air and just plant him like violently. I thought it was going to be like a mauling. Not what we got. Nah. Uh, Riggs hits punches, a drop kick, and a missile drop kick, and Haystacks literally doesn't move. <laughs> no, well, he's, he's not gonna. He just <laughs> no, bounces off him. It's like it's, it's he's, zero he's, effective. He's got a big planted base. Like the guy mm. is. Is that's the whole thing. He's very hard to knock down. So yeah. uh, Riggs goes for a crossbody off the top. Oh dear. And this is where maybe a little bit of buyer's remorse might creep in. Uh, Haystacks, the plan being, Haystacks was going to catch Riggs in midair yeah. and then just drop him. I think it, it's, it's awkward when you see it, it is. Uh, and it, it feels really sort of dangerous. But how much of it is on Loch Ness if it's sort of like he's an older guy at this time? Not like older, older guy, but he's older than he was. He's feels like he's been sort of out of the loop for a little bit. And then just to come back in front of like a large or have somebody jump on it. But it, it's, yeah, that. But drop there's two was, people there. I kind of, my arsehole just kind of went, oh. Yeah. So what happens is uh, Riggs, uh, he dives onto him. And instead of Haystacks catching him, Haystacks kind of starts catching him, loses his grip. Yeah. Riggs hits the ground. Now you could get away with that in theory because you go, oh, wow, he bounced off him. Yeah. However, Giant Haystacks loses his footing at the same yeah. time. It looked and like just he, hits was, the earth. he was maybe going to try and scoop him again just to, really like yeah. do it but then it, it's yeah that lost momentum and then just thump it just, on and just hits the ground and, and it was all very awkward for a bit yeah. he gets himself back to his feet uh, hits two beefy elbow drops and yeah. the second one stays down for the three. and commentary have been hyping this entire time like he's 600 pounds and like he, yeah. he's you know he doesn't need to do a lot he just needs to get you once or twice and it's sort of yeah so they're trying to cover for the fact you know he's it's quite a sort of one-dimensional match, largely. Uh, but, yeah, it's just that that awkward drop was just a shame. Just yeah. a, I think had they not scary. done that spot and had he found another way to knock Scotty Riggs down yeah. and then do the two elbows, 
we probably would have been fine. Mm. It's just it looked with the moment that happened, I was like, oh, this is. I thought. See, I thought he was just worry. gonna. The second he could grab him once, he'd plant him, and then it would just be a maul in, like drag him up, put him in the corner, maul him, and then hit him with the finish and go from there. Because like that, I feel would have made him feel more like a, an animal as well. Like mm. he doesn't have reason or anything, and we already saw him just trying to claw his way into the cage. Yeah. So it's like just go with the wild man thing with him. Like just just lean into it. Make Let him, him kind of like because if he can just pin somebody down and start wailing on them, it's on them to get out of that. Yeah. Like he's not going to listen to a referee or rhyme or reason. Why should he care? Like to go with that route. Love the idea of like because as you say, where they paint him out to be this wild man, where they were pulling himself and getting in the cage. Yeah. Have like Jimmy Hart like pull him by the hair to get him off. Of yeah. Scotty Riggs, but in the end, but that last sequence is is sort of. Giant Haystacks going, oh, I've got him. I beat him. Yeah. I'm the best. As Jimmy Hart's going, yeah, baby, you did. You beat I'm him. I was like, okay. Bite a bitter. Bite a bitter. We'll get back. I'm from Lanarkshire, maybe. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave this minus two stars. Not Dave's surprising. Not impressed it, with it, the... The thing is... If, you're not going to get a five even, star even out that, of Haystacks. Even if, that, even if that spot goes well, right? Even if that spot yeah. goes well... What the fuck is it? It's it's a plant and then two elbow drops and a pin. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's it, not, it needs more than that. It might be minus He didn't one. leave the center of the ring. <laughs> no. Like that's the, the sort of the, it's like, you know, I know he doesn't really have a lot of mobility, but just surely they could have made him just more Scotty Riggs. Because we've seen something. Scotty Riggs on a little bit of a run. And yeah. it, you know, that's another thing I think they fail to sort of just build a little bit on. Like just, you know. Give him that little bit of extra baby face polish because he's about to get murdered. Just be like, <laughs> oh, he's a valiant underdog, you know? But no, squash a Rooney. See you, see you, hopefully next week, John. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, Meiji Oakland is on the top of the ramp. With woman and Elizabeth and wheeling a- out a hospital bed. Good. And a bed, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> there looks to be a body under the sheet. It's like they caught Gene halfway through a nap and he didn't realise they were coming in and he's like, quickly, take the bed away. <laughs> Wake him up. He's got to do a thing. Why has he got a hospital bed? It's the only one that has wheels. <laughs> it needs to get on and off the truck. He likes his and sleep. And up and down the ramp. He likes a very dead sleep between segments. Imagine? Just they don't shoot toward the ramp during the matches because Gene's having a sleep. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's old, man. He's got a rest. Uh, Elizabeth says that Savage promised somebody would leave on a gurney. And he was right. And they were right. And up springs Ric Flair, suited and booted from under the sheets, holding the world title. What a confusing bit of dialogue that I can, possibly was. I can, yeah, I can kind of sum up Ric Flair's uh, speech here. He says, uh, uh, it's not easy being Ric Flair. Woo, but now we have Lizley. Woo, 13 <laughs> times. Woo, let's strut. Woo, I want to talk to people about my penis. You'll love it. Woo, but savvy hoag hoag. <laughs> Savvy Hogue. I don't know what I was there for, but um, Savvy Hogue Hogue. Uh, so uh, he's in the best mood, is our boy Flair, as yeah. you say. Woman, Miss Elizabeth, the world title. Buzzing about facing Savage next week. Space Mountain. Yeah. And Gene, yeah, Gene questions this, if you notice. Because he says, oh, we're talking about girls riding Space Mountain. And you hear Gene off mic go, Space Mountain. I was thinking, is that the first? That's not can't be the first no, time he's referenced Space be. Mountain. Surely not. Ric Flair hands over to Elizabeth, who has something to say. Oh, God, she, she's got something to say. She can't quite remember it, but she's got something to say. For seven years, I had to walk behind Randy, sit in the corner, and never open my mouth. When I left, I took half of everything. But last night, I took it all. There is a long pause because Liz has clearly <laughs> like, drawn yeah, a blank. Last night, I took it all. Uh, and now she's forgotten her lines, but also she's here to say he's over the edge. <laughs> and bless Ric Flair, who started to jump in. And she's like, I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> You're not hoganing me, Flair. Liz says Savage prides himself on eventually, eventually says, prides himself on living on the edge. Now he's over the edge. Maybe this is why Elizabeth had to stand in the corner and keep her mouth shut. What a steam and pile of shit this promo was. <laughs> it was awful. It's like I didn't get you had, it. You had a really good little route through that with the whole Liz being made to sit in the corner thing. Yeah. That that would be if you just allowed Liz to speak maybe one on one, if they did a sit down with her and Jean or something, and it was like, why did you do that to him? You had a much more one-on-one -on -one environment, but we don't really see that really coming in, do we, for a little no, bit in wrestling? No. But that kind of sit-down one-on-one, I think, could have been cool because you could have really let her emotionally kind of talk about it a little bit uh, as a character. And then you're kind of seeing some of her reasoning whether the fans are going to kind of side with her or not. But then maybe they didn't do that simply because it would it would kind of sway people too far in her favor. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It just, it, yeah, I just... I think if you're gonna make her talk, I love your idea of having yeah. her do a sit down. I think because if you've but then it, does it does it paint Randy in too much of a bad light for the company when they're trying to insist you know on the, the babyface positioning of him with him kind of being downtrodden? And, well, you you word it in a different way because it was it was a very kind of you know direct straightforward storytelling approach back in the early nineties mid nineties, wasn't it? Mm. It wasn't kind of all shades of grey, and it'd be more of a shades of grey story, I think. Yeah, maybe, but I think but the virtue the only reason I think your idea is good is because it means that you could pre-record it. Oh yeah, you can, and not you have Liz it. just freeze on live yeah. television. And it's and I find it funny uh, more than anything how she's gone. He never let me speak, and now I will. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure what to do with he, it now. I've got the chance. He's rubbish. Ah, showed it. Take it, Rick. Fucking yeah, let take please, Rick. Finish this off. Uh, yeah, awful promo. Um, Conan in action. Yeah, not just Conan. K Dog. Not just Conan. Come on. The, the, Don't fucking hold the, on. The, the Mexican champion. No, Conan and. Mexican jumping beat. Uh, and the United States champion. And 
Dangerous Devon Storm. That's right. Yeah, there, there you go. That's what we we're waiting to get to. Fucking crowbar. Yeah. And what a mullet. Crowbar. What crowbar a mullet. Crowbar and a mullet into our show today. A ginger today. blonde mullet. Dressed, oh my god. Dressed like a trip hazard. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, he looks like the DX Titantron. He does, doesn't he? With a gorgeous mullet, Dangerous Devon Storm is described on commentary as a suicidal kind of guy. Which, (laughs) given, it's sort of, I got a bit curious because you hear that line. Yeah. uh, And then in the match, he starts throwing some Sabu kind of associated Mm. spot, like the step up on the chair. I'm not sure if Sabu does the, the, the steps thing. I think the steps thing was cool. But the step up off the chair in the ring, I was a bit like, are they trying to make you Sabu? Are you going to be Sabu? <laughs> they are a thousand percent making Dangerous Devon Storm their very controllable, much cheaper Sabu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I he's going to have he's going to have so much success down the line, though. Like, I loved I loved Crowbar. He like, popped up on AEW Dark last year. Yeah. If memory serves. Yeah. Looking really good. Yeah. Uh, I think I think a lot of people have been somewhat uh, upset with some of his opinions on Twitter on things. Right. Uh, but. Let's look at the wrestling. I, well, I wasn't Dangerous aware of that. But I, that's the thing. It's sort of, for me as a kid, like Crowbar and Daphne, uh, yeah. just to be able to see Devon Storm with the mullet and everything, it's, it's just and kind of takes me right back. You know? it, it really does. And I think it's funny because I came to the same conclusion that you did about him, um, saying that uh, they found a lad to do what Sabu was doing, but the advantage of being they can control him a little better, <laughs> and he's a bit cheaper. Uh, Conan is his opponent, the US champion, but the Mexican champion. It's a great little match, this, because you're yeah. showcasing two people who are going to be central to things moving forward. Maybe not right in the very middle, maybe not right at the very top, but in a landscape where, you know, WWF programming, nearly everybody had a story kind of running through it, whether or not they were on pay-per-view or not. There was stories for everybody. WCW gets kind of similar. And so a lot of the mid-card get really big standout moments throughout mm. the next few years. And I think Crowbar's somebody I always just wanted to kind of get behind as a kid. Really, yeah. And and I get why and Conan, you would as well. Conan, man. Well, like Conan, Conan is gonna have Conan's going to have arguably a, a hell of a lot more success in terms of like, I guess, positioning yeah. uh, than Crowbar. But it, it's just Conan. Man. To watch them go at it like 96 is really cool. Uh, he's been racking up a ton of wins on WCW Saturday night as well, being mm. some like real stalwart to WCW. So it hints at the company have got some big plans for KDOT. And they do. They really Very big plans. Do. So Devon Storm, as, you're, as you say, starts off with a drop kick, a baseball slide, and a little Sabu springboard off a chair from in mm-hmm. the ring. And uh, and Devon Storm goes to throw a hurricane runner off the ring steps, but Conan catches him, turns it into a splatter of a yeah. power bomb on the floor. Jeebus! <laughs> uh, Conan's not long on the back foot. He lands a hurricane runner into the ring, a victory roll into an arm scissors and a wheelbarrow suplex. God, he looks fan fucking tastic! It's impossible not to be completely sold on him by this point. I don't know when it is, but at some point. At some point, he reaches out to to WWF because I remember Pritchard talking about it on his podcast. But when he rings up and he gets through to Pritchard, he's like, hey, man, it's K-Dog. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, okay, cool, yeah, just send a tape. Uh, and didn't realize it was Conan. 
and Conan's like, uh, motherfucker, right? What? Like, <laughs> eh? and apparently that led to like a bit of kind of hmm, yeah, because for, he just for thought... a long time, because I mean, as you would if if you just kind of assumed they'd know you as K Dog, yeah, like it'd be like, oh, I just got completely like spurned by them for no reason. What the fuck? They didn't even hear me out. There's something when you live in a world where you are sort of the main attraction that you probably do get lost in that sometimes. Oh yeah, your, yeah, you know, main character syndrome a little bit and all that. Uh, but anyway, crowd are chanting for Conan, which is lovely. Uh, he slows it down a bit with the leg submission and Devon Storm does something similar. Uh, they go back and forth with some leg twisties. Uh, they pick up the pace when Conan reverses a sunset flip powerbomb to the outside with another Hurricane Rana. Just reversals for days, but they save the best for last. Uh, a store, uh, Devon Storm goes for a Frankensteiner off the top rope. Mm-hmm. Conan turns it into a powerbomb and does a roll through pin for the yeah. one, two, three. This was fucking brilliant. Steinbrenner was loving it. Steinbrenner was yeah. having the best time at ringside. George Steinbrenner, who's like ignoring all the phone calls about why have you got Tom Jones? He's fucking rubbish. I, and well, he's no, 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 I liked time. him on. I liked him on Seinfeld. So who's Tom Jones? No, <laughs> Steinbrenner, mate. <laughs> um, what's the line from Bischoff here? It's going to take three surgeons and a Swiss watch to get this guy back together. <laughs> that was a good line. Fuck me, Conan. Like, yeah. like, how would at this point in time, how could you Bischoff not look at that and go? Money. Bischoff must have been clapping his hands because this is like a, we've been talking about this for since we started the podcast. But Bischoff's goal to kind of entice people in who are more maybe casual viewers or people flicking through channels is to pepper the show with these car crash, as was described, matches where it's kind of quick. It's not established stars. It, it's like you know, it's exciting. You see it, you can't turn it off. And this is just a perfect example of it. It's quick, it's to the point, it does everything they need to do. Conan looks like a megastar. Devon Storm doesn't look like an idiot in defeat. There was only really one moment that felt kind of telegraphed, and that was the the kind of big sunset flip bomb on the outside reversal. But even then, it looked fucking good. So it's okay, sort of, yeah. and the initial sort of thing on the outside looked a bit kind of, oh, like losing a bit of balance or whatever, but like it all ha- got handled safely. And mm. like, yeah, it just, yeah. It's, I can't wait till we get more through what these guys are going to do. Oh, some good stuff to come. Uh, main event o'clock is upon us, and Arn Anderson heads to the ring, sans dad shorts, which is a shame. But with woman. But with woman. Uh, and he's looking confident because tonight he's going to end Hulkamania. That's right. He's taking on Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. He Hogan. Uh, out comes Hogan. Bischoff says Hogan is lit which is a terminology many, many years ahead of his time. <laughs> uh, Hogan still has the eye patch from last week's Nitro. He gets a reassuringly great reaction from the crowd. Wait, doesn't Florida. lit mean drunk in like old parlance? Oh, does it? Oh yeah, I suppose lit. Yeah, I guess it could do. I don't know. I, I wonder whether like lit in this, like always lit. It's, it's like fuse a fuse. Is lit. Yeah. His fuse is lit. Here comes Hogan. He's fucking <laughs> wasted. <laughs> <laughs> he's wankered, lads. <laughs> oh no, that means he's like ready to fight an American. <laughs> <laughs> he's been drinking Bitter with giant haystacks backstage. <laughs> Hogan is scrappy. He's biting. He's punching Arn Anderson in the corner. Arn's clothesline in the corner merely wakes Hogan up and he continues to lay a very Look, undeserved smackdown on our boy. Hogan, right? He's got one eye, mate. Bless yeah. him. Look at him valiantly fighting back, <laughs> right? Valiantly putting up for himself and, and managing to, to keep Arn away from himself. <laughs> The man who blinded him faced no legal repercussions. <laughs> it's bollocks. <laughs> Why are you suddenly pro Hogan? 
Just to be a con. I thought you, uh, yeah, you, you, you subverted my expectation there. No, no, on. no. Like, oh, I was very much, boring. I was very much sitting there going, I can't believe they're making him wrestle in this state until we get toward the <laughs> middle of the match. Uh, the fight goes outside. Hogan catapults Arn into the turnbuckle post, uses his wrist tape back in the ring to choke Arn behind the ref's back. Proper heel showcase by and the commentary is even just like he doesn't care about rules anymore. Yeah, the commentary is just like there eh, doesn't matter now. Where was this anger? Where where was the anger that you had when Flair was cheating? Yeah. When Arm was cheating, Hogan's like ah he's, he's fine. Yeah. Even George Steinbrenner is having a wonderful time watching Hulk Hogan be an absolute piece of shit to Arn Anderson. Imagine Tom Jones going, isn't it great, Tom? Yeah. Oh, it's bath tidy. Loving watching Hulk Hogan be a cunt. Uh, as- <laughs> So, as I'm watching this, he has him escorted out. He's like, you were supposed to say it's not unusual. <laughs> just, and two massive security guys just drag Tom Jones out. I was like, what's going on? I've had other hits. <laughs> Why, Delilah? Um, <laughs> um, there's, uh, there's a, I realized the thumbnail for this match on the network is Arn Anderson just looking very angry. <laughs> and now I get why. <laughs> Uh, a glimmer of hope for Anderson. He elbows a charging Hulk Hogan in his bad eye. But of course, Hogan fucking comes back. Absolutely bollocks his up a throw off the top rope. But Arn twists in midair to make it like a crotch on the top rope type mm-hmm. affair. Covers it quite well. I believe by this point, Hogan has also removed his eye patch and has revealed that he's fine. Yeah. So he's a piece of shit. whoever did legally uh, attack him in that manner, you've now got free license to do it if you were legally prosecuted. <laughs> Double jeopardy and all that. <laughs> I don't know why this is reminding me of it, but I want to bring it up. So like we were away and we didn't get any of like the we didn't get any of the coverage of the Queen's uh, passing and stuff like that. But I watched the Daily Show with Trevor Noah yeah. the one night, and they cut to one of the guys who does one of the bits after they talked about the and and they've done it in a really light-hearted way, right. kind of like talking about the queuing and all that bollocks that we had and all this. And they cut to this guy and he goes, "Of course, we here at the Daily Show want to send our best to the family of the Queen, and we hope that one day they'll find her killer." <laughs> 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 I'm, just, I'm sorry, it really creased me. Because I think it's been so serious here. Yeah. And we hope we find her killer. <laughs> I don't know why that bit reminded me of it, but it did. When you were talking then, I was like, that's reminded me. Anyway, back on track. Uh, Hogan's eye is fine because he's a dick. Yeah. Um, out comes Flair and Miss Elizabeth to run distraction giving Arn the chance to get back into it. Mongo, with a belter, says, we've got enough heels at ringside to start a shoe company. Hogan as well. Nice! By the way, Hogan, by this point, has had this match won five times over. Yes. But has chosen to showboat a couple of times to the point where commentary have even gone, oh, no, he's not ended it yet. Yeah, there's one bit that comes up shortly after this because Anderson hits a fucking spine buster. Hogan stays down, but as soon as Hogan makes the cover, he hulks up. Punchy, punchy, punchy. I, uh, where is it that, oh, I don't think we're there quite yet. Wait till we get there. Oh, so he does a Hulk up, three punches, big boots, but instead of going for a leg drop, does the flare strut in yeah. front of Flair and then puts the figure four on. Mm-hmm. Rick Flair is incensed by this and Arn Anderson grabs the ref's face yep. to stop him from turning around. So Flair gets into the ring to give Hogan a hide in. Yeah. Hogan sort of fisherman's, fisherman hooks him. Like, you know, you know how the best way to describe it is, you know how, you finish 
a fisherman suplex. Yes. He very quickly kind of just goes whoop. Yeah. He's already downed position. Gets him in a to roll the point up. where um, Hulk Hogan has Ric Flair banged to rights in a pin predicament. He has Arn Anderson banged to rights in a submission predicament. And so Hulk Hogan standing tall after this uh, has basically shown that he's better than the horseman. He's fucking, it just made me furious. But, and Randy. But don't worry, though. <laughs> don't worry, though, because in all the carnage, the referee is distracted, and this leads to woman throwing powder in Hogan's Which, eyes. Can we just, um, can we just go back to the fact that I'm sure Hogan's now fallen for the thrown something in face, whether it's fireball or powder, about 15 times since we oh, started covering this? It's a classic by Hogan. He's just, he but just he's, he has a lack of awareness. But he's, he looks in the eye and he's like, She's got stuff in her hand, doesn't she, everybody? <laughs> I'm not going over there as he steps into it. It's like, oh, my oh, God. Hope I don't turn around. Ooh. Oh, you piece of shit. Yeah, straight in the eyes with the stuff. Arn Anderson grabs Liz's shoe, <laughs> stabs Hogan in the eye with the shoe, pins him, and Arn Anderson has scraped a win over Hulk Hogan. <sighs> um, but don't worry. If you're worried about Hulk Hogan losing some heat, because 45 seconds Well, he's already got after, a poorly eye. Yeah, but it's all right, though, because... Uh, he's probably got two poorly eyes again now, because more <laughs> dust. He just keeps... All his eyes are swollen like... Mr. Belaya, we told you to keep dust out of this eye. I can't help it, doctor. Blind I don't Hogan. think you're taking your recovery very seriously. <laughs> We're going to have to prescribe you some eye steroids. We told you not to wrestle, Hogan. <laughs> 45 seconds later, Hogan is back up. He's hulking up. He sends the horseman packing. Savage bombs out for some completely unneeded support. Yeah. Because <laughs> Hogan's winning. But Savage, <laughs> I'll come and help you. Uh, but Hogan does help Savage hit Flair with a chair. Mm. Um, so bear in mind, right? Yeah. Arn has had the fucking shit kicked out of him by Hogan yep. for about 10 minutes. Uh -huh. He has scraped a win, mm -hmm. but Hogan has sent him and Flair packing. Yeah. To which Flair and Arn run up to Coventry and are like, yeah, we showed you! Like, <laughs> acting my, like they did something! My favourite line here from Coventry <laughs> is, just as I think Flair's marching up, it's like, whatever that substance was that got thrown in Hogan's face... Uh, it, it, it's, and it essentially indicates it's clearly like hulked him up. It was obviously cocaine. <laughs> yeah. He's, just, he's like, oh, I'm knackered. And, and she's like, oh, hold on. We're bad. And he's like, leg drop. <laughs> now, if this turns into the storyline where a woman is secretly working for Hogan and slipping him coke every time he's struggling, <laughs> like handing Popeye spinach, then. I only used it in a recovery story. manner. <laughs> yeah. I only need it for medicinal purposes, right? And then, obviously, uh, Arn and Flair get driven off from Con. <laughs> Comms is uh, an absolute state with a broken headset and everything. They kind of shuffle back in, and then Randy and Hogan appear. Uh, oh, and I've then got to mention before, like, so Arn and Flair are on commentary, yeah. like they've done something. And as you say, Hogan and Savage come up after them. But you watch it back. Hogan does like this running sneak. Yeah, like he's he's like he's sneaking up on them, but running really quickly. Just I think chewing the scenery. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely chewing the I'm going to sneak up on like Nosferatu <laughs> and he just doesn't move his head. He's just like perfectly smooth. That's basically what happens. But yeah, he runs in. They leg it because they've done something. The mics are fucked as well. And then with no music playing, Randy Savage screams, cut the music. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just awkward silence. If, and then he says it. And if it's, ever it's there was a Pavlovian response... <laughs> Or like a, a thinking Somewhere word. Somewhere Scott Steiner's brain just went. 
like a thinking. And he got like a, a, a heart calling to Atlanta. <laughs> But that's not even the weirdest thing that Savage says. No. Because he says, cut the music. And this leads to Hogan and Savage doing a promo. Hogan wants a rematch with Arn next week. Savage says, he's got one thing to say to Ric Flair. Helter Skelter. So Randy Savage is... Um, there's no real two ways about it. Randy Savage is... Mental. Promising Charles Manson's long prophesied... Uh, I, I, War, there's another word that goes into that, but I don't, yeah, uh, that he heard about in a Beatles song for next week. So it's, uh, yeah. Is that I, what it is? Because I thought it was the slide. So oh, yeah. The Helter Scout is many things, but it, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's also a, a theory that Charles Manson had, and it, it, it's a very racist and horrible no way. thing. See, yes. I thought it was so my just brain immediately just went to. That you get a fun My fest. brain just went to. But you Char- go down on a mat. The Charles Manson <laughs> mental like end of day situation that the Beatles somehow told him in a song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's so funny because in my head they're going down a slide on I a mat. I would love to see them in a potato sack. Just <laughs> shuffling their way down some high street slide at a Christmas market. <laughs> And then Hogan, because he is a dick, he takes the mic and then he goes, Helter Skelter! Like, you've nicked, you've nicked his push, you've nicked his belt, you've nicked his spot, you briefly nicked his wife, and now you're nicking his new words. Isn't there also a Randy Hogan at some point? There was there was a guy who played a wrestler <laughs> called Randy Hogan. Uh, <laughs> back in the day, it was a bit of a wrong one, but he was a thing. Hogan says, hell to skelter as Mongo is my witness. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, what a As Mongo mess. is my witness. I mean, I like as Mongo is yeah. my witness. I, I think, do like yeah. as Mongo That should become a witness. thing for the streams. Yeah, as yeah. Mongo is my <laughs> witness. Hell to skelter. Fuck it, Al. I, but I didn't know about the Charles Manson element of it. Which yeah. Is, which, <laughs> Gives it some interesting new levity than yeah. just going down a slide on a yeah. potato sack. <laughs> uh, and that was Nitro. I, that was Nitro. I can't fucking wait until there's Fuck like some me. weekly form going on here. Oh, Christ. It's the same like, I, I, I'm starting to feel like it is just a big toy set. We got a couple of new ones in Devon Storm and, and Conan mm. getting used a bit more. It's all good. Uh, but it's it's largely the same same old toys getting strutted out there for the same old storylines, but with just the characters changed. Well, I'll give you a little insight because I, I I had to spin on to the next one for next week mm. just to check something, and uh, next week ends exactly the same way, but with one extra character. So just listen to this one again, uh, and we'll just edit in the character's name. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much what we'll do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> I think you've nailed it quite nicely there. Uh, that's really... So that was Nitro. Thank you very much for being back with us today. Uh, we'll do your emails again next week. Classic at cultaholic.com. If you have an email about this very prestigious period in the world of professional wrestling, we would absolutely love to hear it. Classic at cultaholic.com. Shoot it our way. Uh, whilst we were recording, I'll give some thanks to uh, iHeartRadio Canada randomly uh who uh are celebrating international podcast day on september the 30th and clay who uh is the content manager for 
iHeartRadio Canada, uh, Clay Taylor, uh, has picked Cultaholic Pod, the Cultaholic Podcast, as his favorite podcast. What? Uh, wrestling That's is huge. Wrestling is silly. Cultaholic makes it even sillier <laughs> with classic reviews, weird hypotheticals, and all the behind the scenes dirt we all really are into. And here so, I am sitting making thank a you. terrible paper plane. <laughs> thank you so much. So thank you, Clay Taylor from iHeartRadio Canada. As we were recording that episode, uh, getting that little tweet in, I thought I'll have to mention it. Uh, if there's any freelance shifts going on on iHeartRadio Canada, let's have a chat. Um, but yeah, thank you very much indeed. Until oh, we keep stalling. And that, no, oh, and and if you're by the way, uh, you're listening to the audio version of this. If you're watching the Patreon version. We thank you for continuing to support us, and uh, you are about to enjoy uh, a big finale from Sam Driver. If you're watching on the Patreon, there it is. <laughs> oh, right in your ear. Sorry, mate. <laughs> That's fine. They, 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 they popped over Manchester. It's still fine. Until uh, we are next back together, he is at the Sam Driver on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we're at God All of God Skelter coming for you, Morgan. <laughs>